Hello, I'm Janet Sheriff, and welcome to Kissing the Cod, All Things Gold. Uh, it's a pleasure to welcome Rob Brueggemann today from CanStar Resources, who has my favorite TSXV symbol of all times, ROX, rocks. I don't know how you scored that one, Rob, but um, congrats. And uh, on the company, too. So welcome, Rob. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. Appreciate the opportunity to talk a little bit about myself and Kenstar. So it was, um, you know, finally it, we, we've known each other for a bit, but all through COVID, it's all online. So I finally got a chance to meet you in person, which was a pleasure, and spend a bit of time with you. And um, yeah, just really kind of maybe start by just um, talking a little bit about yourself and and your background. Sure. Yeah, because I think I'm a bit of a probably a I have a different background than a lot of people in the industry. So I'm not a geologist. Um, and I'd say really what drives me more than anything else is I love information. And so for much of my career, I've been an equities analyst and yeah, that's either just covering companies or uh, for a while I worked for one of the big Canadian banks and we invested the bank's money, um, which was a lot of investment in mining and oil and gas, uh, but especially mining. And so, um, I guess my academic background, um, I'm an engineer um, and also uh, I specialize in finance. So I have an MBA, which uh, doesn't really come in that useful now in a CFA, but those are all very helpful for the investment industry. Um, I just kind of make a long story short, I guess. When I left equity research and investment, um, I wanted to continue on with equity research and investment, but um, really for myself as opposed to for the bank or somebody else. And so I looked at um, various industries and I said, you know, where can I take my skills and um, really add value? Because in theory, you know, if you've taken finance, in theory, the market is supposed to be efficient. So information gets processed. Well, um, yeah, and the prices reflect the information that's available. But we know in mining, and especially in junior mining, that is not the case. Yeah, there are so many factors, and there's so much information in terms of, you know, the rocks and jurisdictions and metallurgy and um, just the geological uncertainty. And so, it's a very interesting space because if you can get an information edge, and that's really what research is about, um, then there's fantastic upside. So yeah, it's sort of driven by the interest in research. And then I guess you could call it greed in terms of uh, the upside potential on the equity. Um, but then the other thing I've really become uh, quite fond of is the people. It is a relatively small industry. You know, We see each other at conferences and have crossed paths in the past. And so you know, between uh, the information, the people, and then the potential, I think it, it's it's such an exciting industry to be part of. Um, I guess tying that into CanStar, this is the uh, the earliest exploration I've been involved with in terms of the companies I've uh, been part of. And, and that was by design kind of, because I said, you know, big part of the mining industry is mineral exploration. Um, and that's also when you look at those big returns, um, you know, the 10 baggers, 20 baggers, or even more sometimes, it tends to be on discoveries. And so what I wanted to do is get into something where it was early stage. And I could really, um, through building a good team, absorb some of their knowledge and become a better investor in that early stage, um, exploration stage. So. That's that's kind of what I've been doing, and that's what I'm doing with CanStar. And uh, yeah, it's so far so good. I think we've got an exciting uh, project in Golden Bay in Newfoundland. I think Newfoundland is you know, just a fantastic jurisdiction um, with major potential. And then we've been building an excellent team and um, doing a lot of work where I'm learning along the way in terms of uh, finding gold on a very big property. You know, I, and I, I do want to get more into CanStar, but being an engineer and then getting into equity uh, analysis and research, very different than junior exploration. And um, I think a lot of people don't realize how 
how much you have to stretch a budget when you're in junior exploration to try and maximize the time in the field um, versus the, the budget that's in the bank to get to that discovery. And, and it's, um, so it's always a, a whole new skill set to learn. But I'm curious, where did, you, where did you study engineering? What kind of engineer are you? So I ended up being a civil engineer, um, which is somewhat applicable. But um, really, I, I kind of went through engineering not really knowing what I wanted to do. And even back then, I wasn't sure I liked engineering. It was very analytical, but I also really liked business and finance. And so I went to McMaster University, which is in uh, Hamilton, Ontario. And it's because they, they basically took the engineering program and the business program, combined them into a five-year program. And so that's what I did, um, which I was quite happy about having both disciplines. Um, but yeah, I was a you know a naive 18 year old going into that program and I said, oh, engineering, yeah, this is gonna be pretty cool. I'm gonna build things. Well, it turned out it was just applied math and then more math, um, none of it particularly exciting or applied. And so I, I started out thinking I was gonna do electrical, um, then, uh, went into civil thinking, okay, well, at least I'll get to build some things, um, which again, you know, we learned about structures, but we didn't actually build anything. Um, but it, it's a great analytical base for learning and for problem solving. So I, I certainly don't regret taking engineering. I think it's, it's a fantastic discipline. It teaches you, um, you know, certainly how to analyze numbers, um, whether I guess they're financial or otherwise. Um, and then, yeah, to have a good problem solving discipline, which you certainly can use um, in mineral exploration. Although, you know, the other way I view it is geologists tend to be dreamers. You know? So they, you can put a geologist on a project and they can talk about, you know, I, you know, this looks like, you know, this other major deposit and, you know, I see these similarities and, they're dreamers, which which you need at that stage. The the downside of engineers is they're very good at killing projects. So they're very good at coming in. And that's, again, because of the training, um, you know, you're taught to worry about risk and minimize risk and use risk factors and stuff. And so that that's something that have to be cognizant of because what you don't want to do, especially not at an early stage, is to kill something. Um, you, know, you got to truly tested, um, given an opportunity, as you said, though, manage the budget. That's, that's absolutely key. So spend wisely. Um, but yeah, put your faith in the geologist and give them the tools to try to, to find something. Yeah, and then later on, if you want to be a mining engineer and you want to build something, yeah, that's the time to, uh, you know, maybe properly de-risk it. But at the expiration stage, um, yeah, you have to you have to dream a little bit, which sometimes can be tough for engineers. Yeah, and you have to you have to um, be the chief cook and bottle washer, do everything. But um, my husband's a geologist, and he always says nobody nobody should ever hire him to be a CEO of a company because he's too much of a dreamer. But you know, totally value what what they bring to it, and so important. So so tell us a little bit about your team. So the team, um, yeah, so because I'm not a geologist, what I've tried to do is um, surround myself with really smart people who can um, offset my shortcomings in that area um, and then help me on that in that learning process that I talked about before. Um, so at the board level, I've got we have a chairwoman, um, Jackie Allison, who has a PhD in geology, and she's done uh both exploration as well as investor relations, and then now uh, sits on a couple of boards. So she's very technical. We have um, Neil Burns, who is VP, I guess now senior VP, technical services at Wheaton Precious. So he brings some of that big company exposure, um, but also uh, technical background because he's a geologist. Um, then on the team itself, I have Matt LaPointe, who is our VP exploration. So he's done some work in Newfoundland um, and then also has worked at other projects in Canada um, as well as around the world on gold exploration. So he's, he's very technical. He takes this kind of big, broad approach, um, quite analytical as well. So he's a great asset to have. Um, and then we have uh, 
right now five geologists in Newfoundland, all of whom are, uh, or most of whom are from the East Coast. Um, and we've been very selective about who we bring on. So, you know, one thing that's always been important to me is building a team and building a culture. And so even though CanStar has been around since 2005, this iteration, it was basically a shell when I got involved in 2020. We had the, the you know, good fortune of being able to build a team um, and basically having people who, who love the work, um, who love going out there and trying to find gold and enjoy working together. So we've got a good team in the field. And the other thing that's, that's been great in Newfoundland is we've been able to hire local prospectors and field assistants um, who know the area, who again, love going out, finding rocks, finding gold, um, day in, day out, um, just fantastic work uh, ethic and attitudes as well. Um, and then the other thing I did um, was I brought in three technical advisors. So we have a, an advisory board um, with three gentlemen on that board, all of whom are PhDs in geology, but more importantly, uh, are quite accomplished and have a lot of experience. So we have Dave Palmer, who is uh, probe mining and now probe metals. Um, so has been very successful in Ontario and Quebec in terms of gold discoveries. We have uh, Lawrence Winter, who basically put together this uh, this claim package that was optioned to CanStar. And Lawrence is the, uh, the technical services person at Altius. Um, and so he knows Newfoundland like the back of his hand and uh, and saw the the potential of our Golden Bay project. And then lastly, we have Lori Curtis, who has spent uh, more than 40 years in everything from geology, discovery, building mines, to being an equity research analyst also. So very, you know, small company, big project, but uh, yeah, I think pretty impressive team in terms of trying to find gold. So you mentioned Lawrence Winter from, from Altia. So I had the pleasure of seeing his presentation last week, which I thought was was fabulous. Great overview of, of the potential of the jurisdiction of Newfoundland and Labrador. And uh, but when I was working to put together a panel discussion, CanStar's name came out re recommended by a number of people as you know, need to have a panel with with them on it. Um, really like what you're doing, but but tell me how you came to be um, in, in Newfoundland, and I, you're you're in Newfoundland, not Labrador. I just want to make sure we never forget it's it's both. But how did you come to be there, and how did you come to work with Altius? Because I heard some very favorable things about your land position. Yeah, no, that's that's good to hear. Always. Um, so again, I mean, I mentioned before. You know, mining is, uh, I think it's a great industry to work in, and it, it's a pretty small community, um, even though there are projects all over the world. Um, you know, people in Vancouver, Toronto, a few locations, um, you know, they're all probably connected by one degree of separation. So previously, I was with a company called Abra Silver, and Abra has a, a gold-silver exploration project in Argentina, um, that was a situation where I got involved um, because it needed some cleanup. It needed um, some capital, um, and it also we needed to renegotiate some property agreements, but really recapitalize it, um, which I did. Um, and part of that recapitalization was we merged with another company in Toronto that had been spun out of Altius. Um, so they had acquired the uh, the copper exploration projects in Chile. Um, very good management team. And so what we decided to do is we took Abra Silver, which had a great project in Argentina, but needed a, a technical team. And then we took Athol Minerals, which was the other company that had come out of Altius, and we put them together and um basically you know, we took the company from i think a five million market cap or maybe you know six or seven pro forma um and today it's about 150 million market cap um so altius was a shareholder in athon became an, a shareholder in abra um, made a bunch of money and still has some royalties on those projects so obviously that strengthened my uh strengthened built a relationship with altius and lawrence 
Um, so really CanStar came out of that. Um, and the reason it came out of that as well is in Toronto, we have the small office and it's in the office. Um, it is uh, Altius Minerals with a few people who work out of Ontario, uh, Adventist Mining, which has ties to Altius as well. Um, Abra Silver, the company I was part of before and now I'm chairman of still. Um, and then CanStar was the, uh, I guess, sort of the, uh, the orphan company in that office um, when I was there because it had base metal projects in Newfoundland, but it didn't have a CEO. And for all intents and purposes, it was dormant. Um, and so back in 2020, I guess it was around May, June of 2020, when I was um, really coming out of this other company, Abra Silver, I saw what was going on with Newfound Gold and the Queensway project and some of the drill results that they were getting. And um, and gold prices were also doing very well. So uh, what I said is, hey, you know, in the office here, we have this company called CanStar that has some focus on Newfoundland. But really what it needs to do is it needs to go find a good gold project in Newfoundland and um, see if it can do something even remotely close to what's happening up at Queensway, because that that's a major new world-class discovery in a district that looks like it's got really good scale potential. So I, I knew a bunch of the directors of CanStar, spoke to them. Uh, they liked the idea. So then my next call was to Altius to say, hey, here's this idea. You know, do you know of any projects that might be available? And the timing was good because... Lauren said, yeah, right now I'm trying to option this property package. And if we're successful, this looks a lot like Queensway. You know, it's, it's along what we believe is the same structure. The rocks are very similar. Um, yeah, there might be a bit more deformation where we are because we're to the south. But yeah, he, he thought there was great potential. It, still very good access, not as good as Queensway because it's right off the highway in Gander, but we still had highway access. But very little exploration on these claims. So Altius was successful in optioning these claims. They staked around them. And then uh, they optioned them to CanStar with me coming in as CEO. Um, so that's kind of how everything came to be. And then we built the team and um, you know, we have been successful in finding some gold and hopefully we'll, uh, we'll find a lot more. So I'm, I'm looking at a map right now and we'll, we'll put it up for people that are are, are viewing this as well but it, it kind of you're on a, a trend that goes for lab then lab gold then newfound exploits and then can star so very very favorable ground and and you see quite a large land position as well correct yeah that's right and we uh, we've done a couple of subsequent deals with altius um and then some other prospectors and so the total land package now is 774 square kilometers. Um, and it'll, it's gonna get a little bit bigger than that still as well. Even though we have enough, we see some other perspective ground that uh, we're in the process of picking up. Um, and it's, but it's a big land package and it's elongated because it follows this structure. Um, so the, yeah, there are multiple structures that basically trend from Northeast to Southwest in Newfoundland. Uh, that are highly prospective for orogenic gold mineralization. We follow that down on our Golden Bay project. And then um, there's actually a different structure that curves up called the Hermitage Flexure, um, which basically takes this, uh, this interesting turn up towards the West. Um, but the, the, the rocks uh, on the, I guess, Northwestern or Northern margin of that, um, are uh, are quite favorable for gold mineralization. And some of those have never been explored. They've, they've seen, or at least not for gold, they've seen some um, uranium exploration. There's been some base metal exploration there from a long time ago, um, but no, on the majority of these claims, there's been no modern gold exploration. Um, now, so far uh, with the work that we've done and some of the limited historic exploration, 
in the, the central portion of that Golden Bay project, we have demonstrated that there's about a 40 kilometer trend of anomalous gold at surface. And, and these are yeah, not necessarily one or two gram type anomalies, these are high grade. So actually at both ends of this 40 kilometer trend, we've got a couple of samples that have assayed over 60 grams per ton. And then the area that we've really been focused on um, is called the Kendall Prospect. And the reason we focused on that is uh, in 2019, so around the same time as uh, the Keats discovery was made up at Kendall, or sorry, at uh, Queensway by Newfound Gold, um, the prospectors down in our area, which is called the Bay Despair area, they found the first instance of visible gold on these claims. And with some prospecting work, they uncovered a sample that assayed 4,485 grams per ton of gold. So confirmed, yeah, there was visible gold there. Uh, the style was orogenic gold mineralization. So there was an analog for, uh, for what they were finding at Queensway. Um, so still early days, but yeah, it's pretty exciting. Um, Cause yeah, we, we know there's a lot of gold there. Um, that 40 kilometer trend, uh, we've been doing some additional work uh, over the last month or so with a helicopter, um, you know, waiting for assays back on a number of those samples. But you know, visually, you know, the indication is this trend is gonna get longer. And that, that certainly does indicate a trend. Um, you know, these are not discrete anomalies. There's, there's definitely big, mineralizing events that have taken place there. So yeah, that's really the exciting part. And I just watched your podcast actually with Richard Goldfarb, mm -hmm. you know, listening to him about, you know, some of the potential, um, yeah, that's that's what we're seeing as well. Um, yeah, we don't know what the key structures are yet. Um, you know, maybe we're on them. Um, and even on our property, you see, you know, um, some parallel trends and so, you know, we could be on something now that's good, but maybe there are better ones. And that, that's part of what we're trying to figure out is, you know, where is this gold? There is till cover in many instances, which obscures um, the structures. But, you know, and I'm not a geologist, but I'm smart enough to know that if you have 40 kilometers of anomalous gold, um, there's, there's a lot of gold lurking there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I really, I really enjoyed that podcast with Rich. Um, you know, he, he's looking at it from a global perspective and seeing Newfoundland as one of the two best places for economic discoveries and, and um, you know, really sees that it, it, as we get more people on the ground, more companies there, more discoveries are going to follow. And, and I, think, I think you're seeing it already, you know, starting to, to the collective approach of working together and sharing information, I think, is, is making everybody move a little bit faster, too. And um, we actually are going to have uh, Hamish from the Geological Survey coming up on a podcast pretty soon. So I'm really looking forward to that as well. So in uh, 2020, uh, acquired first land, building it up. Um, you had a season last year. Uh, what kind of stuff did you do last year? I know you've you just went through some of the results, but what are sort of the highlights of what you finished off last year on your work program? Yeah, so last year we the team was pretty small, so we've uh, we've always approached this conservatively. Which again, maybe that's my engineering background, but um, yeah, I like to think it's probably more because I approach these things as an investor, and I want to make sure that money is spent wisely. So we try to minimize G and A, and we try to put the money into the ground, and we try to do it in such a way that um, it you know that I guess it's efficient, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously, people want us to drill, um, but what we try to do is we try to use whatever tools we can to um, reduce the footprint of drilling, both because it's more economic, um, but also, I mean, we try to be environmentally sensitive, and the less drilling we can do, we think the better it is, um, because that is more invasive. Um, so we did do some drilling last year is uh, at what we call the Kendall Prospect. And we had good results, um, but that was uh, it was basically stepping back from the trench where they discovered that 4,000 gram per ton gold sample and trying to follow that mineralization. So the good thing is it starts right at surface. Um, 
it uh, it seems to um, extend to the northwest. So we think it's uh, it's actually along a secondary structure because um, everything the dominant regional fabric trends from uh, northeast to southwest, as it does up at Queensway. But it's these secondary structures. Um, that seem to be key to this high-grade mineralization. So that's what we've been following. Um, as often seems to be the case in Newfoundland, so far our first hole has been the best one. Um, and we hit 9.6 grams per ton over about 7.75 meters. Um, and that was only five meters below the surface. Um, but good grade. Um, we've since, uh, we've extended that out probably about 160 meters or so down dip and have shown pretty good continuity of that mineralization. But these are deep rooted systems. Um, in our case, it's fairly shallow dipping. So it seems to dip at about 30 to 40 degrees and it's on the side of a hill. So it's only progressively getting deeper. So even our, our deeper mineralization right now is only about 50 meters deep and we'll continue to follow that. Um, but that, yeah, it was great to see that that we had VG in yeah. in uh, in quartz veins. We get some gold associated with disseminated uh, sulfides as well. And basically, what we're trying to do is um, follow these structures um, because likely where they intersect other structures, hopefully we get more dilation and therefore broader widths. But even so far, hitting anything from kind of a meter to um, 11, 12 meters of mineralization is a is a pretty good start. And as uh, as Rich Goldfarb indicated, I mean, these things don't tend to be discrete. Um, you know, if you have it in one place, you're going to get it in multiple places. And our 40 kilometer trend of anomalies kind of supports that as well. So the other, the other nice thing about that is now that we have mineralization from the drill holes that we drilled last year, is, last year, it gives us a better understanding of what the controls on that may be, you know, if their indicator um, minerals uh, seem to be graphitic shales that are quite important um, in relation to the gold mineralization as well. So we, we've learned a lot. Um, the other thing we did last year is trenching. So again, where there's outcrop, um, you know, if we can identify the best parts of the mineralization, um, you know, the closer we get to uh, to the bedrock source, the better it is to drill it. Um, because the one thing that doesn't really work in Newfoundland is if you just do uh, offensive drill holes and, and you space them out, say, you know, 50 meters or something, you're probably going to miss these systems. So you, you have to understand the orientation um, to the extent that you can figure out what tools work. And, and we throw everything at it. I mean, we'll try mag, we'll try EM. Um, soil sampling. Uh, last year, we did the first batch of till sampling, which actually worked very well, um, which is consistent with what you see in the rest of Newfoundland as well. But um, yeah, um, yeah, we tried a lot of things last year um, to see what would work, and then we'll build on that this year. So uh, with the till sampling that I mentioned, uh, we had ODM do that, and those guys are are great because they look at the the gold grains under a microscope, they count them. Uh, just to give you a sense of you know, which areas um, may have more gold. But then the other um, really good tool, because you have this till cover, is they look at the extent of the deformation of those gold grains. And um, what it suggests based on the work from last year is we've got a, uh, a couple of trends that are highly anomalous in terms of gold grains, but then also it doesn't look like there's been a lot of movement from glaciation. So then we know we're in the right area. We can tighten that up. Um, we're going to try some IP geophysics on that just to see if uh, if we can get a better sense of what's where. Um, because it's really, you can't trench there. And so you're either drilling blind um, or using these other methods. So yeah, tills seem to work. We're going to try some uh, kind of getting into this year's program now as well. But uh, we're going to try some deeper soil samples as well, um, just more till sampling. And the whole intent of that is just to reduce that footprint um, from something that was about five kilometers by one kilometer, shrink it down into maybe a couple of areas, and then we'll drill those. So that's really the goal this year is, um, you know, 
figure out what the source of this gold is, where some of these fairly tight structures are as well, um, and then actually drill them. Yeah, it's, you know, there's, there's so, I've heard so many times, you know, people get pressure from investors to get out there and drill. And it's such an expensive mistake if you don't have the science and the boots on the ground first. And I think one of the things I really like about this industry is that combination of traditional boots on the ground, looking at the rocks, which you have to do, and combining it with the, the science that you're talking about. Um, but yeah, as always, the, there's the pressure for the drilling, but um, keep thinking about that 4,000 gram per ton sample. <laughs> I'd love to see that. <laughs> like, I've seen a 3,000 gram per ton sample, never, and it was spectacular. But um, that'd, be, that'd be pretty nice. So I hope you find it. Mine, find more. I know you've found some more. Yeah. yeah, we want to find more of that. We, uh, yeah, and I mean, obviously, um, grab sampling is selective. And if it's a, that is a very nice sample, um, the 4,000 grams, because um, you got coarse gold in that. But yeah, last year we found another um, sample. It was actually a boulder, it was uh, about a 100 pound boulder. And assays on that came back at 289 grams per ton of gold, um, which obviously doesn't sound nowhere near as exciting, but it was a bigger sample. Um, very nice gold mineralization in that as well. And that came um, about 1.2 kilometers away from where we've been drilling and up ice. So we know, you know, that's got a different source. And so that's one of the goals for this year is find out, you know, where did that boulder come from? Yeah. And that boulder is pretty angular. So we, you know, it's not a, a rounded boulder that's been rolling around and rolling around. It's uh, the source is nearby. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess people have to understand. I mean, we've got a massive property. Um, you know, it's it's about on average, I guess it's 150 kilometers long by about five kilometers wide. And then, you know, even with this smaller focus area, you know, you're you're literally trying to find a needle in a haystack when you're using the drill. And you know, if I go back to my other company, Avra Silver. I mean, that's a different type of deposit that we have in Argentina. And um, it, the drilling there is very forgiving, um, you know, because you'll hit, you'll hit um, 150, 200 meters of mineralization. You know, it's a big system. This in Newfoundland is different and it's early. It's, you know, people yeah. are just discovering this, um, trying to figure out what works, but it's, it's high grade in discrete locations. Um, and I think you know, one of the good things that Newfound Gold has done is they, they move people off this notion that you have to have big step outs and widely spaced drilling, because if you do that there, unless you're super lucky, you're gonna miss, you're gonna miss a lot of this mineralization and people have missed it, you know, whether it's on our property or even at Queensway. I mean, they, there was a great trench there at Keats. Um, they had some drill holes, but, you know, it was only when um, they drilled deeper and started tightly spaced drilling that they, they really started to put it together. And now it, you know, it's something that's world-class with big intercepts and just fantastic grade. But um, it does, you know, even if you look at the Queensway drill results, you get some of these fabulous holes and in intercepts, but then around it, um, yeah, you get some things that are okay. Um and it's just the, the density of their drilling um, is really what, uh, what helps to find this. So that, that's important. And it, because of that, it takes time. Okay? As easy as it is for investors to say, well, just go drill a bunch of holes. Um, yeah, we can do that. But if we come back with a bunch of results that are mediocre, um, the market's going to write off the project. Yeah, yeah. and, and you're going to be out of money. <laughs> and we'll be, and we'll be out of money. So the, yeah, the goal certainly is, uh, yeah, use these other methods, which are much more cost effective, um, and just identify, you know, certain locations. I and mean, we've got lots of targets. So yeah, we'll do some more work. We'll prioritize those, and then I want to make sure that when we drill them, um, that our probability of uh, of hitting something is going to be very high. Yeah, and 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 you know people. 
you have to have patience, right? You have to do it right. You have to be methodical, go step by step. And, and um, I think it's really important to be in a solid jurisdiction in order to have that confidence because there's been so many challenges in so many jurisdictions be, because the certainty and uh, the ability to permit all you know become challenges. So in, if you're investing in Newfoundland and Labrador, I think it's really important to talk about certainty. And um, the premier of the province recently did a presentation at PDAC in Toronto and his message to the investment community and the, and the industry was, we're giving you certainty. And the industry is important to the people and it's important to the government and it provides jobs and contracts. But his message about certainty, I think is extremely important because it allows you to be able to build to that point where you can take these early stage projects and, and advance them. Yeah, no, I think uh, that's absolutely key. And I approach these things as an investor. So my involvement with CanStar, for instance, is really as an investor, um, more so than you know, just to draw a salary. Um, but yeah, I think for investors as well, I mean, it, you want to make sure that if you find gold or if you build a mine, that you're going to be able to keep it. And there are so many jurisdictions, typically, you know, not first world, there are second world, third world, where what happens is there's greed always kicks in and politics kicks in. And you, you know, people see something. You know, that's a major discovery. You know, governments are very good at spending money. Um, you know, they're not good at raising money unless they raise taxes. So what they inevitably do is they look at, you know, lucrative projects and they say, oh, well, you know, that, that's kind of, you know, it's kind of ours. And so we want a bigger piece of it. Um, you know, in places like um, Latin America now, there's this big shift to the left. And we just saw it with Colombia as well, but Colombia, Chile, Peru, um, you, know, you get big political changes underway there. And what that does is it changes the outlook on um, the economics of the mineral projects there. Um, and that that's bad from an investment perspective. And you see what's going on in the bigger market right now. The you know, equity markets don't like uncertainty. What they like to do is they like to take future cash flows and discount them back and say, you know, today it's worth this. And if I can get it at a discount to that, then that's good value. Well, if you introduce that uncertainty, what that means is there's a higher risk rate. Your discount rate goes up, which means, you know, because the future cash flows are less certain they're not worth as much today. Well, yeah, that is the case when you go to, you know, any place I'd say where, you know, one election can change, you know, your royalty rates or your tax rates or even how much you own of a project. So, I mean, me personally, I don't, you know, I invest in places that I know. I don't, uh, there are a lot of jurisdictions I won't go into, even though, you know, places like Mongolia, they're, you know, great mineral endowment, but, you know, just governments that you don't want to be at the mercy of. Um, and so just, you know, you, personally, I, I stay away from those. So on the flip side, to have Newfoundland with that certainty is wonderful. But then you know, the other aspect is, yeah, I'm used to going to projects that are you know, in the Andes and 4,000 meters elevation. Um, you know, and you're excited when there's power within 100 kilometers here. You know, we have highways, we've got a skilled workforce, uh, you know, there's power available, there's water. I mean, it's just, uh, it's everything you want when you go looking for projects. I think that that's, that's the exciting thing about Newfoundland now as well. Yeah. And I think, I think even, even in first world jurisdictions, Newfoundland and Labrador is going to emerge as one of the shining stars in the first world. Um, and a lot of times people, off, you know, what, do you, what, what, how do you make your investment management it always comes up, but mine's jurisdiction first and then management go to the right jurisdiction where, you know, you can take a project and have certainty, you can keep moving it and then find the right people. And um, I think, I think CanStar's doing it all right, but I'm going to go back a little bit to the market because it's frustrating. Um, 
the broader markets, well, today, I think the Dow's up about 700, so maybe today doesn't count, but broader markets having some issues. Gold's 1850, it's still a great price, but I think the place to be going forward, one of the uh, sectors is, is gold. And just wanted to, you've, you've got your background uh, from an, an analyst position. So maybe talk a little bit about where you see this going. Sure, yeah, no, I love talking about markets. Um, and, you know, and I still invest um, a lot and follow the markets very closely. But yeah, the, as we can see right now, I mean, you have all these micro factors in terms of jurisdiction and management and drill results, but you can see it right now. Companies are putting out drill results and the stock may sell off. The market doesn't care because the, the macro influence you know, is outweighing um, whatever's going on at a company level. And so it's usually important. Um, and then I think what's equally important is you look at the fundamentals and you say, well, is this warranted? You know, is this, especially in our space, is this warranted or is this an opportunity? And I, I think it is an opportunity because as you said, gold's been actually remarkably steady. Um, it's, you know, it's influenced by the dollar, obviously in rates, but it's been holding in pretty close to 1850 an ounce. Um, in Canadian dollars, it's even better. Um, and so it's providing stability, which it's supposed to, and then, you know, if you really look at how strong the US dollar has been, um, which is typically the case when there's volatility, but when you look at the US dollar, you know, in different currencies, it's actually done very well. Um, and then when you break down what is wrong in terms of the macro environment, it's predominantly inflation. It's inflation, which is triggering central banks to raise rates. Now, of course, that inflation came about because governments printed money and just introduced so much liquidity into the system um, during COVID. And now they're having a hard time weaning off of that. Um, so I actually think that, yeah, the spending is, by the governments is gonna continue um, probably at a rate higher than what it should be. Um, the consumer is, especially the US consumer is fine. Um, so I think we're gonna to have to be prepared to live with inflation. And I think politically, governments are going to be okay with it because they have all this debt now and they'll be kind of happy to inflate their way out of that. So I wouldn't be surprised if inflation pulls back, but it, you know, it might still be four or 5% and um, people will be comfortable with that and the Fed will stop raising rates. Well, what that means is your currency, whether it's US dollars or other currencies, they're getting devalued. Yeah, that's effectively what inflation is. You can't buy as much. You know, prices are going up. Your dollar isn't going to go as far. And that's why people turn to hard assets and especially gold. Um, so I, I think, you know, smart money is and will continue to buy hard assets that are going to appreciate even as currencies devalue. Uh, so gold should be... Uh, should go up um, from here. And then I think also, I mean, the assuming the Fed really doesn't kill the economy, which um, nobody wants to see, then, yeah, I think other commodities like copper, um, you know, oil is in a, a kind of a state of its own right now, but copper, nickel, um, silver, I think they're all going to do well. Um, and they're going to really protect your, your purchasing power and so that's going to be good for mining companies and the, the miners have been pretty disciplined unlike previous cycles um so i think it's a good investment category and then what we need is just to to make sure that money does go into exploration um because there haven't been a lot of new discoveries um yeah it's they're few and far between the expiration dollars aren't really there and i think you know for that we need to see some more success Need to see. You know, last year we had Great Bear um, and company or investors who got in early with that did phenomenally well. Um, so we want to see more cases like that. You want to see uh, money go in. You know, make these phenomenal, attractive returns that 
justify the risk. And I think, uh, again, when we go back to jurisdiction, where are you going to find that? Yeah, there are other jurisdictions that are exciting in Canada. You get Golden Triangle, you get you know, Abitibian stuff. But uh, I think Newfoundland looks better than all of them right now. I mean, it hasn't been picked over its early days. And I think uh, you're going to see some more big discoveries there, and that'll get people excited and uh, hopefully keep the money flowing so we can keep looking. Here, this is, I hope I make sense in my comment. So I hope to see more majors uh, getting involved and behind some explorers. I think they haven't been there because governments have a tendency of setting policy when things are too good. So, you know, mining's doing great, let's put up the royalty rates or, or, or let's make the environmental assessment process more difficult. And I think the majors see that. And why would you want to invest more in an industry that's pulling you back? So I'm hoping during this time, when things get a little bit more difficult and, and in the economy, that there'll be some policy changes that are going to then in, incentivize in some way the majors to get more involved. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I, I think that makes sense. And then there's another aspect to it as well, which is there's always competition for capital. And so governments have to be cognizant of that, you know, because you can't just put on your blinders and say, hey, we've got a great jurisdiction, our rules are pretty good, you know, so come explore. Um, if um, another jurisdiction, um, you know, makes permitting easier or um, provides certain incentives, then yeah, the capital is more likely to flow there because that's what capital does. Um, but yeah, typically, I mean, you look at the majors, you look at what they've been doing and um, by and large, the investments are going into um, stable jurisdictions. We've seen some big M&A actually with the mining companies where they're trying to get um, more exposure to, um, to North America. And I think because uh, it's, it's lower risk, higher certainty. Um, but the governments have to, especially as times get tougher, governments are going to have to work harder to attract capital um, because it does does move, and they need to to be responsive. Um, so, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. It's um, I think where your company is right now is a great place to be. I, I see a lot of progressive work from the government. I great potential for discovery. I think you're, you're right place, right time, right? Yeah. And yeah, I think the government sees the long-term potential, um, yeah. which is great. Um, because I mean, you look at the, the population of Newfoundland and Labrador, and if you can foster some of these projects along and they become significant producers, I mean, that's going to have a dramatic impact um, on the, uh, the fiscal aspects of Newfoundland. Um, you know, the, the province needs it right now as well, which uh, I think is going to work in our favor. I mean, it's, it's, there's too much debt and not enough revenue. So to the extent that our industry can generate new revenues, um, both in terms of taxes and royalties, but also job creation, um, then I think that's gonna be very good. And my sense of the government right now is that they recognize that. Um, they see it as a solution. Um, and I think they're gonna to try to, you know, to the extent possible, try to foster more exploration and more mine development. Yeah, I think the other thing they've got going for them is a population that has the expertise in the sector. I, I lived in a mining town in northern Canada. Two thirds of the people were from from the rock, and you know all they wanted to do was work at home. So you have the skilled sector that understands wealth creation for the family and for businesses from the sector, and, which makes it. Uh, What's not not easier on the government, but it, it helps clarify where the populace stands and allows the government to make the the decisions they're making, which have helped us all, I think. Um, anything else you want to add that uh, we haven't talked about today? What so this year you're busy? Maybe we'll just 
This year, you're busy getting ready to identify drill targets. That's the big goal. Yeah, that's that's the big goal, really. And uh, you know, people try to pin us down on exactly where we where we're going to drill and how much we're going to drill. And I mean, the the real answer is we don't know. It's uh, you know, the hopefully as much as possible. But uh, we did do some drilling uh, this past winter, so we'll have the results coming out shortly. Um, but yeah, it's all this other work um, between till sampling, geophysics, um, where we're just going to tighten up the targets. And uh, so we will be drilling again in uh, late summer, fall. Um, we'll have multiple areas that we're going to drill in. Um, but the other thing uh, that we're doing as part of that, we'll be testing out is uh, just using basically a an auger drill, which isn't really a drill, um, but in these areas with till cover to collect deep soil samples. So we're going to see how that works. If we can get a sample um, close to the bedrock, um, I think there's a, a strong correlation between gold mineralization and then both um, arsenic and antimony, um, as well as you know, sometimes we see tungsten in there as well. But if we can get these indicators um, I think we'll be able to, in a very cost-effective and fairly um, efficient manner, narrow down these areas, and that's what we're going to drill. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it remains to be seen exactly how much we'll be drilling, but we've got uh, about $6 million budgeted for this year. Um, and then, uh, you know, I'd say there'll be... Well, it might be close to half of that is going to be allocated to drilling, but uh, yeah, all the other money is going to go into generating new targets and then uh, really tightening up these targets because I want to make sure that when we drill, um, we are going to have good results and we know there's gold there. Uh, we just, goal is to find it. Well, and one thing I learned from Rich Goldfarb, orogenic systems, tungsten and gold travel together. There's my... Mm -hmm non-geological analysis for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, thanks, Rob. It's It's been a pleasure. And I'm going to keep an eye on what you're doing and, and we'll catch up with you later in the year and wish you all the best. Um, again, uh, on the TSXV, R-O-X, rocks. And uh, have a great season. And thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, no, thanks. It was good talking to you. Yeah, and thanks to everybody for joining us. Uh, keep following us. We're, we continue to have a group of interesting uh, speakers throughout the season. And just stay tuned. And thanks again for joining Kiss the Cog.